Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. You're listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast. I am the president of the Bellarmine Forum, John B. Manos, and your host today. Shall we start with a prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Not sure what the title is today, but we're going to solve the women priest problem. Yep, you heard me right. By the end of the episode, you'll be convinced of an absolute sure way to solve the women priest crisis affecting affecting the church today. But we're going to get into a couple notes, a couple ideas, and uh, one of the themes for today, no Jesuit sources, please. That's coming from a reader, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention up front that the Lent meditations have been upgraded. You'll see now, if you look across the, uh, the ones listed on the front of the web pages, a few more to go, all have similar images. They all come from a, a Harmony a series of uh, prints done by the late James Tissot. I guess that's how you say it. He was uh, French. But the images are great. They will bring you, they, they open your mind's eye to what's occurring during the Passion, during that Holy Week. And if pictures are worth a thousand words, well, there's 47 of them, plus some, you will be taken there. It will open your mind's eye to give fruitful meditations. Those Lent meditations, by the way, it was funny. We started, and if you go on the website, you're going to see a very aggressive uh, pop-up that asks if you'd like to get these by email. There wasn't a better way to do this, and there were a lot of people that like the Lent meditations every year. But we all know what happens. If you have to do work to get something, it makes it a little tougher. And as Lent goes along, as time gets busier, it makes it hard to forget. And if you know you, you miss one day, you miss two before you know it, you're like, oh, shucks. But if they're coming in your inbox every day conveniently, we thought it would be a good way to help people. These meditations have been around for a few years. They were written by Father Richard Clark, S.J., who was the editor of the, uh, of the Catechism Explained, who wrote a number of catechetical help guides and a lot of sources on practical, practical help for Catholics trying to live, live a holy life. These meditations are no exception. They're great. They're great to produce Good, fruitful meditations that give you good resolutions to get closer to our Lord and know Jesus crucified. Speaking of that, I had to laugh when shortly after uh, subscribing, I got a, a, a email from one of the subscribers and all it said was, no Jesuit sources, please. I, I just have to laugh. I can't blame. I can't blame anybody that sees that SJ these days and sees confusion. If you look on the website page for this i posted an image it's an ad that came from fordham university and it the text of the ad says our doctor uh the men doctorate of ministry is designed so you can work that uh you can work while you get to the next level of leadership and the picture shows a woman wearing pink clerics and a roman collar no joke you have to see the image to believe it. So when you see Jesuit tricks like that, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, I can't blame anybody. And with the things they see coming out today, 
that's skeptical of that SJ, but you've got to believe me. Father Clark lived before the last suppression of the Jesuits. He was during a time when they still did things like start every action by asking for God's assistance in their endeavor. One of the ways they would do that, Father Hardin mentions that when he started the practice and he was recommending that since our principal duty is to know Christ Jesus better, one of the first ways you do that is through writing because you can speak without thinking, but you can't write without thinking. And in doing this and encouraging people to grow in their love of our Lord, he says, write down your thoughts about our Lord. And he brings up the point that as he, from the beginning of his novitiate ever on, he could not turn in any paper in his studies that had not at the top of the page written A-M-D-G. And on the other side of the paper, B-V-M-H. So I was a little bit tickled when we got an email from a different subscriber and they just said, what is AMDG? It's a great question. I can't blame anybody for not being familiar with it these days because you don't see it. You do in some places, but it stands for ad maiorum dei gloriam, to the greater glory of God. The other, which you'll see at the bottom of most of our website pages, BVMH, is Beate Maria Virgine Honore. My apologies if you're really good with Latin. I probably had to look at it a little bit longer before I pronounced it better, but to the honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so it is when we begin anything. You know, the old advice used to be when you start any endeavor, make the sign of the cross. And so it is with this. When you're writing, you start with the intentional writing of doing the writing to the greater glory of God and to the honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so that's why you'll see AMDG at the top of these emails, at the top of the things we write. Just a reminder both to the author and to the reader that we're doing all this to the greater glory of God. I also want to praise, thank God for listener praises that we saw. I was pleasantly surprised and humbled when recently I encountered a discussion among Catholics in a group. And one person was saying, this Lent, avoid all sensationalist Catholic media, podcast, news, and magazines. Now, I had to chuckle at first because I thought, hmm, maybe I just won't do a podcast episode this Lent. That way, nobody has to avoid us, right? I mean, you do see gaps from our episodes now and then, but it's because I'd like to bring you things that are well-researched and well-done. That takes a little bit of time. But what we see I got down in the, in the discussion comments and I was amazed. They started saying, no, 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 no. I plan on, one person said, I plan on binge listening to Bellarmine, Fog, Pod, Bellarmine Forum podcast this Lent. Somebody else said, no, 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 do that because it's not clickbait noise. Somebody else said they, they like it because it's not full of crappy music and effects, but it's a good calming discussion. And it, somebody else said it's packed full of information. Thank God. I'm glad we... Uh, God can use us to reach out to you guys and give you something useful for your faith. I also want to take this moment, move into our topic for the day. But I'd like to start it off by reminding you that gender confusion began with the USCCB and the ICEL. That was the USCCB's commission on English and the liturgy, you might recall. And it was in the 80s. They started to push the notion that we must remove God's pronouns you know, don't call him he, him, call him God. Remove the gender. The notion was in the language 
that God has no gender. And I've mentioned him before, but Bishop Trout person, as he was uh, amusingly called, his real name's Bishop Troutman, was a champion of that at the late 90s going into 2000. That's, I mean, so this was 20 years of work by the ICEL working on the idea that pronouns in the liturgy for God that had gender were wrong, could be offensive. Today they would say it's hate speech. And so now today when we see it in society, we have the pronouns are hate crowd. And we have people that you aren't supposed to assume their pronouns, but rather you wait for them to identify their pronouns to you. Even number of people that calling themselves they, them, or other are saying I don't have pronouns. And so there's a way of using the language to support the idea that you can elect gender. And just to look at this, I can always rely on the National Catholic Reporter to succinctly epitomize the insanity of the day. I mean, it, I, I have to admit that they really are good at it. And so reliable, in fact, that I almost wonder if they aren't paid to be the epitome of Marxist. <clears throat> We're not supposed to call them that. Modern critical thinking. That's the new phrase because, you know, you don't, Marxists don't call themselves Marxists anymore. They've softened their labels, just like changing their pronouns. Progre- let's call them progressive ideological justice warriors. How's that? But just search in their site for the word pronouns. I got a rich feast, almost too rich for Lent. Some highlights of what you'd find. One article says the idea that God can be referred to by multiple gender pronouns or transcend gender altogether is common in many Christian circles. And this was being said in defense of the a woman content. Another one, you know, and let's get apart from the idea that God revealed himself as a he, him. So God gave us his pronouns, but they don't care about that. They want to change them anyway. I could, that could be a whole nother show, right? Another one talks about praying your way through forgiveness, and it was a trauma-informed text. This is a National Catholic reporter saying this, without gendered pronouns for God. So as an attempt to make the text accessible to groups for whom forgiveness is a fraught topic, such as abuse survivors. There is, uh, in the Greek, ancient Greek language sense of the word irony here, too great. Uh, to uh, for my weak words to capture. Recalling what we said before, it was the bishops in the ICEL that gave us the idea that pronouns don't apply, gender, God has no gender. And catch that. They wrote a book with no pronouns for God in order to support abuse victims. Need I go further to the irony? Another quote. God's presence in the love for their child is manifest when they make their best effort to use the name and pronouns that honor the truth of the child's gender identity. It's supporting the idea that by allowing your child to choose their gender and then supporting them by using those pronouns that the child gives you is just like God's love for you. This is all in the National Catholic Reporter. And then my favorite, this is a, a, a forward movement of the National Catholic Reporter of the old ICEL motion, quote, not all persons, persons is in quotes, of the Trinity are designated male. Read the show notes for the rest of that one. We're living now with what the verbal engineering 
of the inclusive language set in the liturgy made possible. So you got that? You can look on a reporter, find all that. And I just happened to look up, and it, it, it comes right from the what all these discussions back in the 80s and 90s on, on inclusive language and tinkering with the liturgy gave us. Some of this comes back to a quote, uh, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. You can search National Catholic Reporter and find that all over the place too. But I wonder when we're going to talk about selecting your pronouns, selecting your gender, toxic masculinity, we see a flight from being masculine in society. I just saw earlier this week, it was a, a Facebook post and it had a, uh, uh, images of a women's basketball team. And there is Gabriel Ludwig. Uh, he was born Robert Johnson. And he's a player on this women's basketball team. Much taller than all the rest. Got tattoos on Gabriel's arm. and uh, But that's a women's basketball team. And here's uh, the women. One was born a man. Well, no, I was born Robert Johnson, but now plays on a women's basketball team. And, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, there's another example. It's, you see a ton of examples about this where men change and identify as women and then begin to participate in women's sports. So it's just like the liturgy, just like that last quote from the reporter. It's like God's love, you know, let the people pick their own reality and then support them in it. And, you know, if they tell you they're, if I told you I'm she, her, you're supposed to love me and accept that. Don't worry, I'm never going to say that. But that brings me up to our problem at hand, women priests. Just throwing this out there. But again, like I said, if you come up with anything insane, Go to the National Catholic Reporter website, search the term, and you're going to find the epitome of it. So I did that. They have an author there, Janice Severed Dujinska. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation that she would use, but is a priest of the Association of the Roman Catholic uh, Association of Roman Catholic Women Priests, Peace and Justice Activist, and a retired teacher. I thought. Oh, well, let's go look at this. Actually, I've seen this picture before, but the Association of Women Catholic Priests, the front of their website, got a picture of an ordination in DeLon, Florida, March of 2020. There's eight women in the picture, seven of whom are wearing uh, Amchurch-type uh, liturgical celebration garb. So it made me start thinking, what's the solution to the women priest problem out there? These women, you know, they, they want a women's priesthood. Well, we just get rid of the pronouns, right? Why don't we just have the priests that are there identify as women? And then we have women priests, just like women's sports, right? Problem solved. I hope you're chuckling. You know I don't really mean it, but if we're to believe all this verbal engineering, that's the solution, isn't it? Just tell the priests that are there to call themselves women. Now, onward, I've linked to a YouTube video in the show notes, and it's by a non-Catholic. He's a good analyst. He looks at trends. He's got good commentary, you know, but there's a lot of spicy stuff in there, too. And granted, it's 
reflective of today's society. But one of the points he brings up is this China has consistently been reporting that there was an intentional effort to sissify their young men, as their words. They have a lot of other derogatory terms for it, and you can find it in the YouTube video. Again, go on the on the uh, the blog post for this podcast episode, and you can find that video. And it, yeah, okay, there's some stuff in there. Oh, oh, I can't believe you linked to that. No, it's not really like that. Just realize it's not a high level discussion, but the guy is bringing up really good facts about China's observations, among other things. They say that it was intentional beginning ten years ago that. They made pop culture stars and they glamorized sissified men and put those in front of young men as the epitome of masculinity. China's complaining because they say this was an effort by the CIA and it was abetted by Japanese pop culture, which Japan really wields the soft power of cultural influence in, in, in the Pacific Rim. It's just there's no getting around it. That's, that's, who, that's who drives the cart there. China has decided, among all these things, news reportings that are detailed in that video, that they don't want sissified men, and that's going to destroy their nation. And at a time, which also is brought up in that video, when testosterone levels are falling all around the globe, it looks like an intentional effort to subvert both the fertility of the world and to drive a world that would no longer reproduce. China doesn't want that, so they are going to teach young boys to be boys again. Now, I dare you to go find a current catechetical book in school and tell me what you think. Just throwing that out there. Meanwhile, they've made new rules. Earlier this week, it was reported that China has new administrative measures for religious clergy. It's finally here. Rule 15 of this administrative set mentions the selection of Catholic bishops, and guess what's missing in it? The Pope's not there. He's not part of the process, according to the official rules. Read the quote in full, but are we surprised? This goes back to the 2018 Vatican-China agreement, and it's being said that China's breaching that agreement, but we all knew it was going there anyway, right? Also note that several years ago I talked about when the SWIFT payment system was pulled out from underneath the Vatican uh, as high speculation, which is now backed up by more stuff recently, that that's the way they tried to force Benedict out from U.S. pressure in the SWIFT payment system, that in order to get into the BRICS payment clearinghouse, China wanted this deal and was using the, the, the payment system as leverage on the Vatican. Think about everything going on with the Vatican Bank and all that stuff and Shouldn't be any surprise that money in the church, I'm thinking of Judas, can often drive bad uh, decisions. Put all this together, and I wonder, you know, there's Cardinal Zen, and I pray for the Chinese people daily, and I've mentioned before that I have Our Lady Peking, and it was a gift that came to me after a prayer to the Blessed Mother, and on the back was the inscription from Cardinal Zen asking for prayers in China. So I'm well aware of the problems over there, and I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse other problems in China. But when I look at all this gender mess and what they're saying about their society, there's part of me that says, 
maybe they can pick bishops better than we can. Just a thought I'm throwing out there. Maybe China is saying, no Jesuit sources, please. Hmm. So I come back now to this ad by Fordham University, showing a woman in clerical garb with a Roman collar on. And Fordham seems to be saying a lot of things with this ad. I guess they don't think that everybody's capable of the Catholic faith and they are trying to break away from Catholic ministry. That's the problem with the Jesuit tricks these days. We wonder if they're still Catholic, right? I mean, and they're going to charge these people a lot of money to go through that graduate program. But you can work while you're doing it. That's what the ad says. This is coming from a Jesuit university. No Jesuit sources indeed. Makes me wonder, China breaking the deal, or is China smart enough to say, well, whatever else is coming out of this looks like it's not Catholic? That doesn't excuse the other wrong things going on in China, particularly against faithful Catholics that are there. But it makes you think, if does Fordham supporting this idea that maybe anyone can become Catholic by simply identifying themselves as one? I mean, after all, if we can change genders by changing our pronouns and electing to be the other gender, maybe you could just be Catholic by calling yourself one. Oh, wait. We've seen this recently. Didn't we have a politician running for a major federal office that called himself Catholic but supports abortion and does everything else? And who did our bishops suggest we vote for? Because they're Catholic by designation. Seems the problem is coming to a head. I mentioned in an earlier episode that 2020 would be the year of judgment and look where we are. Well, today's mass readings mention God's formation of the rainbow as a sign of the new covenant after the great flood. Recall that among the instructions God gave to man after the flood was that sex is to be between a man and a woman. I don't think God meant that you could just pick your pronouns to make that work out. So the earth has seen this gender mess before, hasn't it? It didn't go so well. Yesterday was the feast of Saints Jacinta and Francesco Marto, the child seers of Fatima. May they pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. You've been listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast produced by the Bellarmine Forum, founded in 1965 as the Wanderer Forum Foundation as a way to present Catholic Teaching in the deposit of faith without the confusion and modernist uh, infiltration, shall we say. A reliable source for Catholic discussions, Catholic faith, and Catholic beliefs. This show is sponsored by an anonymous donor that encourages, uh, for the purpose of us, to encourage you to say your rosary daily. This show was produced for the greater glory of God and the honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's copyright Bellarmine Forum. 2021.